Thanks for tuning in to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. Today I'm chatting with Alina Fu, a boomerang product marketing leader at Microsoft. Alina shares her advice on kicking off your career as a product marketer, as well as her tips on stakeholder management. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, and allowing them to contribute insights from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. Today I'm thrilled to connect with Alina Fu, the new Director of Product Marketing at Microsoft. Alina has had an impressive career as the former VP Product Marketing at G2, the Head of Customer Insights Product Marketing at Google, and in other product marketing functions at Microsoft, as this is actually her second stint there. Welcome, Alina. So excited to have you today. Thank you, Mary, so much for having me. All right, let's start off with my favorite question for this season. What or who inspires you? I find a lot of inspiration from looking at how strong visionary leaders conduct their teams. I've been able to witness authentic, inspirational, and thoughtful leaders and how they really care about their people, how they motivate their teams, and how they create this North Star vision for everybody to rally around, especially leaders that are CMOs of companies especially large global companies, there are just so many different perspectives and varying priorities, but they're able to really focus on what matters. That's so awesome. It's so great to have that firsthand experience. And then I assume be able to put it into place in your next career move and your job as well. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And tell us all about this new role of yours as a director at Microsoft. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be going back to Microsoft where I started my product marketing career as a director. So Microsoft, as most people know, is a global technology company with over 180,000 employees. I'm actually joining the growing Viva team, which is a new business for Microsoft as part of their modern workplace organization. My role would be leading the marketing efforts for Viva goals, which consists of how we can help use OKRs. So objectives, key results to help companies and users shape their priorities and track the progress over time. In addition to that, Viva Goals is using the technology from Ally.io, which Microsoft recently acquired. So that's a leading OKR company into the broader Viva platform. That sounds amazing. And like I mentioned in the intro, you're going back to Microsoft. So you're a boomerang after seven years away. I'd love to talk a little bit about your decision to go back to Microsoft at this point. Absolutely. So for me, when I started my career, my entire undergraduate degree was actually in electrical engineering and computer science. So I never had any marketing training, but I love the aspect of product marketing, which was how do you talk about technology in a way that resonates with your prospective customers and why should they even care? So when I started my career at Microsoft, I had a lot of different roles within the product marketing title. And what that allowed me to do is get a good glimpse of what the breadth of product marketing can look like. So I did things such as 
inbound product marketing, which includes product roadmap influence. How do you conduct a SWOT analysis, competitive landscape? How do you understand what customers are looking for? What are their pain points? What are their challenges with their status quo? And how can your product solution fit and address their needs? In addition to that, I got exposure to digital marketing, social media, editorial calendars, and really thinking about sales enablement and channel readiness. And then I also got to experience packaging, pricing, retail when I worked on the Xbox brand for consumer hardware. So in my whole range of product marketing experience at Microsoft, I was an IC where I learned to do these different aspects of product marketing. What I'm really excited about is as a director, I get to learn what it looks like to lead high functioning organizations? What does it mean to think about a broader strategy based on all of the different aspects of marketing? In addition to where do you fit into a larger sales motion for the company? That's so cool. I love how you learned everything about product marketing, like you mentioned, at Microsoft, you're able to apply it at these other companies. And now that you've fine-tuned this and become such an expert, you're able to lead at Microsoft as well. That's a really amazing story. And speaking of PMM careers, I wanted to talk a little bit about your advice on actually getting started in product marketing. I mean, your background is very interesting and you've worked at companies of many sizes now at this point. So what advice would you have for actually kicking off a career in product marketing? What I recommend for folks interested in product marketing careers is to think about what aspect of product marketing appeals to them the most. In addition, where are their natural zone of genius areas or core competencies, areas where their skills shine? For instance, a lot of folks are interested in working very closely with product on influencing the roadmap to understand how the product can be used. What are the use cases, the scenarios, the different personas that can utilize that? A lot of that usually falls within inbound product marketing roles. Then there are other folks who are super creative. They want to think about that integrated marketing plan. They have a demand gen campaign that they want to run to really help them launch this new product into market. They have a PR, comm, social plan for how they want to talk about their product to their target ICPs. That would be called outbound product marketing. So based on that, different companies, different industries, different products are looking for product marketing managers to fill different areas of inbound and outbound product marketing. Thus, to get started, it's always great to ask the hiring manager, how do you define product marketing? What are some types of projects that I would get to work on? And then you can see if that aligns with what your interest areas are. I love that. And I really love leaning into that zone of genius concept, or I've called it strengths finders in the past, but I'll have to check out the zone of genius methodology as well. But I think that's so smart. You know, start with something you're good at or that you're passionate for, or just interested in and kind of go from there since product marketing has so many aspects. And it's hard to imagine being an expert at all the end-to-end parts of product marketing right away. You have to start somewhere, whether it's sales enablement or the inbound side, working on the strategy and the roadmap, like you mentioned. So that's really great advice. So I'd love to talk about a topic that I know you're very familiar with. In fact, did an AMA with Sharebird on stakeholder management. So what are some of the tried and true strategies that you've used to drive alignment cross-functionally, especially for a remote team? To be successful in a remote working environment, 
everyone must be willing to be flexible and think and work differently. So my team at Google was actually pretty distributed globally across the U.S. as well before COVID happened. And what we found is as long as there was shared context on the team, meaning that we all understand what is the end goal, what are the expectations, and having very clear communications established and shared more often, that is helpful to make sure everyone is working on the right project and we're all aligned on what we should be working on. There's always a joke where everyone leaves a room with a different understanding of what the project is supposed to do or what their role is in that project. That gets even harder with a remote team because you don't run into people, you know, accidentally in the hallways or by the kitchen or what have you to say, oh, is this what you're working on? This is my role. Instead, by having that shared context either recorded or written down somewhere so that people can refer back to it is super helpful. The second piece is around having a project brief. So project brief is usually where you have an overview for cross-functional teams to understand what is it about. So basically, what are the challenges today? What are the different deliverables and the milestones? And most importantly, how are you going to measure success? Then you essentially host a kickoff meeting. You invite all of your cross-functional stakeholders and you discuss what is needed or expected from each team or each individual. And you use this project brief as a working document to both get buy-in from the other stakeholders, but also as a way to introduce and kick off the project itself. And then the third piece is really around being able to flex and connect asynchronously. Because everyone is on a remote team, this can be due to different time zones, due to different working needs or lifestyles. We need to be able to have a way to communicate and share critical information in a variety of different channels so we can disseminate the content to make sure that everyone knows the most recent updates. It gets really frustrating for people on my team when they can't find the content or the resources they need, even though it seems like a very straightforward ask because they're just like buried under a pile of threads or comments in a obscure Asana task, for example. So instead, with a remote team, we need to think about what are the best team norms and processes. And you can invite everyone on the team to establish these. So there's buy-in and everyone has agreement and alignment on here's how we can work together when we're in different time zones or working on different work hours. It also really reinforces the need to be open-minded and to adopt new rituals and habits for the team, especially if the team isn't used to being remote. I love that. So it's shared context, shared brief, and shared communication strategy, and having everybody buy into it. I love Mm -hmm. that you didn't just jump to specific tools, for example, because I think it does matter what you're trying to accomplish specifically with this particular group. And sometimes a certain tool like a Moreau board might work better than, you know, something that you happen to be using in the moment. So I think that's really cool to actually have that as a framework and then decide on the tools and the cadence. And obviously if you're working at Microsoft, you want to use Teams or if you're Mm -hmm. working at Slack, you're going to use Slack or, you know, there's other variations of it that you might just naturally be using. But I think it's a really good idea to kind of reiterate how important each of these elements are and then to actually work on them as a team and kind of establishing those norms. That's really cool. I'd love to understand. So thinking about once you have that as a good foundation, what would you say is a good cadence for actually getting stakeholder feedback? So for example, if you're preparing for a launch. So 
our thought is because a launch has so many different moving parts across very distinct disciplines, there should be opportunities for pivots and agility to occur. So my thought is the best cadence is actually throughout the launch process at the beginning, the middle, and definitely at the end. The reason for this is because there's different people and different stakeholders and roles that would come and go throughout the entire process from the beginning, from the middle, and from the end. And so what we like to do is we like to use a racy model to determine who is in the need to know versus versus nice to get feedback from. And the reason for this is because you don't want to have somebody become a bottleneck when they're just a nice to get feedback from. In addition to that, you also want to make sure that there is still progress as you're working on a launch to incorporate all of the necessary pivotal information to move to the next step. So in the beginning, when we're aligning on what are the goals, what are the deliverables, R&R, roles and responsibility from each department, this is critical to getting started. So I spend a lot more time on getting stakeholder feedback here just to make sure we are all aligned on the vision and expectations. Otherwise, halfway through or at the end, you're going to have to redo some of this, and it's just not a fun experience for anybody. In addition to that, in the middle, this is where you have the gut check with the stakeholders just to make sure, is this hitting the expectation? Are there additional contexts that our team may not be aware of or things that have changed, whether it's in the market, from customers' feedback, on the beta usage, or you know how sales is revamping their sales strategy? This is where I want to focus on the stakeholders who are the practitioners, meaning the people who are actually doing the implementation on the different components needed for launch. So as an example, if we're thinking about an integrated marketing campaign, what does the brand and creative team need that may be different from what they had told me at kickoff? And then at the end, this is where I break it into two parts, the actual launch itself and the postmortem or the learnings from the launch. I think this group of stakeholder feedback is actually the most diverse from the three different chapters, beginning, middle, and end, because I want to make sure that we have understood everyone's point of view for the launch. And perhaps there were things that we didn't take into account when we first did the product kickoff. So this is where we want to say, hey, this is the time to see, did our launch land the way we anticipated it? And if not, where were the areas where we missed? I actually believe this part of the feedback process is actually the most valuable because what it helps you to do is refine your process moving forward for the next product launch. Understand who else we should include or who should not be included moving forward for other launches. And it would be a great resource area for new ideas because of opportunities that we didn't have the foresight on this time around. There are multiple ways where you can gather feedback. This can include one-on-ones where you're asking people directly or one-to-few. There can also be office hours where you invite people to come as a designated time, which is regular and consistent. So if they think of something last minute, they can sign up for a slot or they have things in advance, they can also do that. There can also be workshops where you're actually brainstorming and working on things in real time, as well as feedback councils. I think, again, going back to my theme of find what works best for you, your organization, and the stakeholders. This will depend on what type of tools and what kind of cadence is needed and who you would invite for that specific project. I love that. So many goodies in there. I think 
I had never thought about the middle as a moment in time where you can pivot and also focus on the practitioner. I think that's super helpful and makes for a way better launch. And I love the idea of a postmortem just built into the process. I think I've called it retroactives at other companies too. I think they're so important, especially if you can review and see everything from did it hit the metrics to how was the process and actually use that feedback to make the next launches better. I think that's really, really important. So love that you're doing that and recommending that. And then just to break it down a little bit, the RACI model, for those that haven't heard of it, I understand it as responsible, accountable, consulted, and informed. And it sounds like you have it a little bit different at each stage, like the middle might have a different RACI than the very beginning kickoff. Is that how you kind of think about it? The RACI depends on the time frame. Correct. It's essentially based on who do you need to have in that beginning, middle, and end chapter. And then for each of them, their roles may shift accordingly. That's really cool. Love that. So I also want to understand, I know this is a hot topic for product marketers, so I thought I could pick your brain on it a little bit more, but how do you build better relationships with product management and how do you constantly stay aligned with them? I've been in organizations where product marketing managers have a very tense relationship with product management. And I think this stems from mismatched expectations on what PMs and PMMs are leading versus what each other should own distinctly. What I mean by this is sometimes because product marketing has both that inbound and outbound product marketing functions, as I described earlier, this can create friction because maybe product management wants to lead some of those aspects from an inbound PM perspective, or product management expects PMM to do this, but the person you have in the role is only familiar with a different aspect of outbound product marketing, as an example. So my recommendations are understanding and asking clarifying questions from leadership on both the marketing side, as well as from the product side, as well as the individual ICs within product management and product marketing. On what type of initiatives do you want to focus on as a PM function and what you want product marketing to lead? And the reason why I focus on both the leadership and IC expectations from both organizations is because sometimes Times, there's not clear alignment and other times certain PM managers, the so product managers have a different relationship with their PMMs. So what I have seen is the best working relationship, of course, between product and product marketing is when they are tied to the hip. They are essentially best buddies. They are thought partners and they are working on the entire product life cycle from the very beginning. This includes providing feedback on what customers' challenges are, what are some use cases from the target ICP, how can you influence product roadmap by helping with prioritization of features. Of course, PM would own that but product marketing can provide input to that. In addition to that, then from the outbound perspective, how does PMM help write the correct product enablement content, the core bill of materials, and land a successful launch with the go-to-market strategy? So whether it's through comms, socials, campaigns, et cetera, but this will have clearer alignment between the two different functions so they feel like they're on the same team. I also 
recommend four rules of engagement between my product marketing teams with product. And that is one, alignment on priorities. As I mentioned earlier, these priorities has to be agreed upon with leadership and the ICs, and they have to be strategic and deliberate with a clear roadmap and a plan. I think this helps everyone understand what is the vision and where are we tracking towards. The second is having open and regular communications. I like to defer to over communicating, making sure that everyone is aware and how do you check in frequently and consistently. In addition to that, how can you provide a circular feedback loop for the product management team from existing customers, from the CS org, or from account executives? Then the third piece is around trust and respect. I like to always approach situations with the best intention. Even if there's tension on the team, can we find out what is causing that tension? And then how can we earn mutual respect for both organizations, product and product marketing to make their launch successful? And then the fourth is around delivering value. What new added value can product marketing bring to the table so that product management doesn't feel like PMM is trying to dip in on their duties? Instead, how can PMM be proactive and creative in measuring the right success metrics with new creative ways to drive adoption? I love that. I want to frame it. So it's the alignment on priorities, open and regular comms, trust and respect and delivering values, the path to being besties with PM. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think what you said in the beginning too, is really important about kind of mapping out those gray areas and that a lot of tension can exist when PM and PMM are on each other's toes. So I've done that at a couple of companies where I sat down with leadership and actually said, you know, what is PM doing and what is PMM doing? Or sometimes even another team like the solutions team or, you know, another team might be involved too in the mix where it's a little bit gray and you're actually defining what they're doing by stage of the product life cycle. So, or other parameters, but I think that's a really valuable exercise. And then of course, sharing it with your team, checking to make sure it makes sense, evaluating that it's going in the right direction and there's not other things that need to be changed. But that moment in time where you actually sit down and map that out, I think can be really, really important. All right. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about customer and product evangelism. So just really quickly, how do you define both? How are these different? I know this is an area of expertise for you and it's something we haven't really talked about on the show yet. So looking forward to hearing your perspective. So what got me interested in marketing in the first place is I got to become a evangelist for the product at my internship. And during my internship, I was talking about how the product can be utilized. I asked the customers questions around what are your challenges today? What are your pain points? And that is why I'm a huge advocate for PMMs being product evangelists at the core of everything that they do. There are so many channels available now than there were 20 years ago to evangelize why your product will help them and the different ways to do it. However, PMM's role is to understand what are those prospective challenges and pain points? What are their wants and needs? What is their job like for that target ICP? And what are their priorities? 
then how can this product give that customer a better alternative than their status quo? Status quo can be no change or status quo can be the existing solution that they're using today. But in reality, what you want to do as a PMM is to convince them this is why our solution is going to help you with the problems that you're seeing today. This is why your status quo should not stay here any longer and it should be flipped on its head with how our solution is going to change the game for you. So thus product evangelism is what PMMs are responsible for and do on a daily basis. Customer evangelism is when your users believe in your product so much that they want to talk about it and evangelize on your behalf. So at G2, we actually created a customer marketing function that did this, that focused on customer advocacy. So advocacy includes case studies, written or verbal testimonials. What I mean by this is speaking at webinars or on stage at industry events, or even references on your website or providing customer to customer reference calls. This is especially popular for enterprise segment. Then these references can help other people understand how your product is being used what are some ROI or success metrics that they can measure your solution on? And it gives you more credibility because they're coming from a third party instead of the vendor directly. So they're actually related in terms of product marketing managers need to create and be product evangelists for their solution. And then customer evangelism is when your users or your customer base is going to speak on your behalf about your product. I love that. Yeah. And that makes total sense that you'd want to have both because it's one thing if I am telling you as a product marketer that my product is so great, of course I work for this company, but then to have customers that have used it and bringing them on stage, speaking at events, speaking on webinars, like you mentioned, really goes a long way to kind of convince and influence and really share their experiences about, you know, why it's amazing. It just makes sense. And so what would you say is the best way to approach building a plan around both of these actually? So the best way to build a plan around this is product marketing to be a product evangelist should develop a core bill of materials or bomb for how they plan to evangelize their product. This usually includes a pitch deck, a demo, FAQ, and a one-pager or a fact sheet. It can also include a battle card, SWOT analysis, objection handling, and FUD talking points for internal sales enablement or channel readiness. Once you have your product evangelism content and assets available, then it's about how to improve retention and increase usage of your product through customer testimonials, through customer evangelism. So this is where you could work directly with the customer success team to capture what playbooks have worked well for their existing base or based on what your customer marketing team has been doing from a lifecycle comps perspective, onboarding, or even training training materials, this is where you can create additional assets and how-to techniques for customer evangelism. Examples include a customer journey, where you are in the process, how's your implementation going, what are the different milestones you can track, hosting customer events and creating a community. So when I say community, what I mean by that is for the target ICP, how can you bring people together? You can do this through a variety of ways. For example, informal networking roundtables. This is where you get time and space dedicated to connecting customers with similar interests on the topic. It could be virtual, it could be in person, but basically you are gathering around a specific agenda topic. 
Then there can be user groups where you have more formal engagement. So for example, at Microsoft, they had SharePoint. The SharePoint community would get together for happy hour, or they would have an MVP program. And these evangelists really found value in terms of coming together at planned events. Then there's a customer advisory board. A customer advisory board is where you have a select group of customers, usually executive thought leadership level, where you invite them to give you feedback, whether it's for the product roadmap, the strategy, new key initiatives. This is usually a very high touch program. And so for these, you would like to plan in advance on who you're inviting, who's going to be the moderator, what are the different topics, where you're hosting it, et cetera. That's really great. And for both of these, would you say it's best to categorize these as post-launch activities? So they're not necessarily things that you would do launching a product, but there's something you would do as kind of an ongoing program, no matter what your product portfolio looks like. Would you agree with that? So it depends on who you want to invite to these roundtables or user groups or a cab. Essentially, if it is post-launch, this would be from your existing customer base. But if you're also trying to attract prospects to some of these customer initiatives and community engagements, you may want to have a mix of both prospects and customers. So essentially, you can have the customers evangelize on your behalf at these events. In addition to that, one of the things that I've seen work really well, especially for prospective customers, is the idea of a early adoption program. What I mean by that is you basically have people who are very innovative in how they think about the product technology, your industry in this space. They may or may not be existing customers, but you want them to be. And so you invite them essentially to this It's not even a beta group, but it's this program where they get early access to previews of what you're planning from a platform or roadmap perspective. They get access to the product management leadership or direct PMs so that they can ask them those technical questions. And that's also a really great way for pre-sales to help create this community interaction and relationship with those prospects. That's great. Thanks for clarifying on that. Well, I can't believe it. We've covered so much today, but it's already time for our rapid fire questions. So I'd love to kick off with asking who have been your strongest PMM mentors over the years? I've been so fortunate to have managers who are invested in my success. So for example, they want what is best for me. And these amazing mentors include Carol Carpenter, who's currently the CMO at Unity, Natalie Lambert, who's a global director at Google, and Thomas Rizzo, who's a partner at Microsoft. He's actually my first manager. And so all of these folks I got to work with directly, and they were always encouraging me to step outside of my comfort zone, to do things that I never thought of, or to introduce me to new ideas. And then I've also found great mentors from networking events through Chief, whether it's people I met at a networking event or within my cohort. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it sounds like you've kept in touch with a lot of these people over the years as well. That's so wonderful. Yes. Great. Well, I'd love to understand too, if you can boil it down, I know this is a hard one, but what is the one thing that has been the most important in terms of growing your career? 
for me personally, it was around having intellectual curiosity, being open to things that I am not familiar with, marketing to different ICPs that I have no knowledge about and trying different things. That has been super helpful for me because it helps me one, identify what I really enjoy doing and two, grows my skills in terms of breadth and diversity. And that has helped me have a better holistic picture of what this product's impact can be, how does it fit in into the larger strategy and the bigger product portfolio, as well as what can I learn from each experience that can take me into the next role. I love that. And that's actually a question I try to ask when I'm interviewing product marketers, which is in a different way, but what have you learned lately? Just trying to understand if they're reading things on different topics, if they're staying up to date with our industry, with different industries, what keeps them ticking and keeps them learning? I think product marketers are lifelong learners. So really happy to hear that that's been something that's been really instrumental in your career. And then networking, love it, hate it. (laughs) How do you do it? I love it. I'm a huge extrovert. And so the way I do it is I am very comfortable introducing myself to people I don't know, but I always recommend that you also be willing to help others. It's not only about what you can get out of the experience, but how can you help mentor or coach along the way? And what I've also seen is it is a big tech space, but the world is small and you will actually run into people who may have heard of you or you had help somebody in common or what have you. And it's just such a great way to build the community. 1000%. I agree with that. (laughs) All right. Last question for you, Alina. Why product marketing? For me, I love talking to people to understand where they're coming from, what they like, what makes them tick, what they hate. And I believe that when you have a product that you believe in, that you're excited about, that you can talk to people about it without getting bored yourself, that is where you fit in. Because in product marketing, you're the evangelist for your product. You are the subject matter expert. You are the advocate for this solution. And it's up to you to make sure it lands well. What kind of impact does it have in the market? What kind of revenue are you bringing to the business? But how are you telling that narrative? What is your story? And why should that customer care? I love it. Well, thank you so much for all of the knowledge you've dropped on us today. It's been an encyclopedia of product marketing and I love it so much and just really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much for giving back and having everyone learn from you today. Thank you, Mary. It was my absolute pleasure. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. This show is produced by ShareBird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com. We'll also link Alina's AMA in the show notes.